midday on the Rural Radio Network, and welcome to a full middle part of your day, full of information of all kinds. We have sports and business, and we lead it off with ag news, and we go over to Jesse Harding to find out what's shaking over there. It's a great day. How so? Today is National Jerky Day. Oh, that is a great day. Wow. I don't know if Dewey knows that, we but it is be... National Jerky Day. Yeah. Are you hearing that, Dewey? No. No, he's, he's not. not. Paying he's, he's tuned into a completely <laughs> other frequency here. So. so we'll talk about it being National Jerky Day for the twelve thirteen. We're also going to talk about the consumption of jerky that has increased over the past few years. We're also going to talk about milk consumption at schools and what is being done there for the twelve nineteen. Shaley Peters is joined with Chase Dakoti on the beef stewardship program coming to Nebraska for the newsmaker. UNL on campus got a new vet diagnostic center. They had a tour in its grand opening last week, so Susan will have more on that and how it will benefit not only the state and livestock producers, but also for the students, of course. And then for the 117, Susan Littlefield is joined with Rita Vanderkoy and her family. They stepped in and are housing and milking 300 of 3,000 dairy cows on the Carlson Dairy as they were hit by storms yesterday in southern Minnesota, kind of wiped out barns there. And so what's going on there in Minnesota? Boy, what a challenge that would be. Oh, yeah. It's been some crazy weather here. It has really been. Yeah, and that's also in the weather forecast coming up. Now, full disclosure, some people may not know that our own Dewey Nelson (laughs) is a connoisseur of jerky. Yes, he is. A cottage industry (laughs) is his own cottage industry (laughs) for jerky. And he's very, very good at it. Yeah, he's uh, so. he's trying to ignore us here, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely true. And yes, yes. Uh, let's uh, move on into sports here. And here's Jason. Seven of the eight teams that are headed to the College World Series, we know the last participant could be decided today or could be tomorrow. Their super regional was delayed due to weather of odd things <laughs> in Florida. They had some rain yesterday, so we will touch on that. The NBA Finals could wrap up tonight with Game 5 and Golden State. But I remember a long time ago, watching the NBA as just a kid. And my dad told my brothers and I, he said, Boys, they don't make any money on those things unless they go six games. (laughs) That's why you never see... Rarely see a sweep. Isn't it true? And if I mean, you saw the way they officiated the game the other night, yep. when it turned into WWE wrestling, <laughs> you have to wonder about that. that <laughs> you know, the Cavs needed yeah. a little extra help to extend this thing. Any business insight on that, Bob, about uh, stretching that out? Not on that subject, <laughs> but uh, I don't know have, have anything to add there, but, you know, it's uh, maybe you went to a... Maybe they were going to a basketball game and a wrestling match broke out. Yeah. Well, it happened yeah. that way the other night. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, things, major indexes are lower today in business. Uh, U.S. stocks are split with energy companies and oil prices climbing, technology stocks sinking. General Electric CEO Jeff Emelt is stepping down, and John Flannery, president and CEO of the conglomerate's healthcare unit, will take over the post in August. And Justice Neil Gorsuch has issued his first Supreme Court opinion, a unanimous decision in favor of a company involved in a debt collection dispute. So he starts out uh, on a good note there, I guess. Very good. It's all coming up for you. All this and more on today's Midday. 
harvest conditions do continue. Those are the key weather items for the commodity traders' attention today. The forecast now calling for a mix of thunderstorms and heat in the Midwest this week. Rainfall prospects are higher than indicated at the end of this uh, last week as rainfall along with the favorable soil moisture will all prove to be beneficial for crop progress and development. Those numbers officially, of course, will come in a little later this afternoon. In the southern plains, a dry and hot pattern favors winter wheat ripening and harvest. Early harvest results in southern Kansas are indicating yields that are above average, but still less than one year ago. Scattered showers and thunderstorms this week over eastern areas will cause some harvest disruptions. Very warm to hot temperatures this week will be stressful to the developing row crops in those areas. There is a good chance for significant rain occurring in the key growing areas of the northern plains this week. Rainfall to help ease stress on the developing and early reproductive crops after recent heat and dryness in those regions. In the Canadian prairies, a wet pattern over the past weekend. May again slow seasonal field work. Showers elsewhere across the region would be favorable following an extended dry period. The outlook now continues to point toward a good chance for needed rains occurring in the drier areas of Saskatchewan and southeastern Alberta for early this week. Now for the Midwest, the corn, soybeans, winter wheat forecast in the West. Scattered light to moderate showers and thunderstorms today with dry conditions and a few light showers. Then we'll look for the Tuesday forecast to bring scattered light to moderate showers and thunderstorms with those locally heavier rains on Wednesday. Drier conditions, just a few light showers on Thursday. And for the Midwest soybean and winter wheat, dry conditions in the east, just a few light showers on Monday. Episodes of scattered showers and thunderstorms for Tuesday through Saturday. The 6 to 10 day outlook, temperatures variable, rainfall right should be right at near to above normal. The Nebraska State forecast is partly cloudy. A slight chance of showers in the north and west for today with high temperatures reaching the upper 80s to the mid-90s in the east and central and the middle to upper 80s in the west. Clear to partly cloudy skies tonight. Thunderstorms possible in the northwest as the low temperatures drop to the 60s in the west. 70 to 75 east and central overnight. And Tuesday, mostly sunny to partly cloudy with a chance of some afternoon thunder showers in the east and central. High temperatures reaching 88 to 92 east and central Nebraska, 77 to 85. Look at agriculture information on the World Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. Today, June 12th, is National Jerky Day, and beef jerky sales grew by nearly 7% last year, according to Nielsen. Meat snacks are second only to potato chips in the sna- salty snack category, but potato chips posted only 1.7% dollar growth over the same time period. Researchers show that nearly 75% of consumers have healthier salty snack options with beef jerky outselling seeds, party mixes, and pita chips combined. As consumers eat fewer sit-down meals and snack more on the go, demand for portable protein has never been higher, with more than half of Americans wanting to add more protein to their diet. And the Beef Checkoff Program has identified a novel way to help celebrate today with some powerful support from state beef councils. 
On today, State Beef Council staffs will deliver beef jerky bouquets created by the Beef Checkoff to news personalities at television outlets in many of the country's top media and consumer markets in their states. The bouquets in custom beef what's for dinner vases are being delivered to 115 television stations in the top 30 u.s markets and others they are accompanied by beef information that includes tips on how beef jerky is the ultimate snack hack for consumers and the dairy industry is looking towards an increase in milk consumption once school gets back in session but more important they are ready to have a variety back on the milk tray susan littlefield has more we all know that milk does a body good And for folks in the dairy industry, they're excited to see the ramp up of varieties of milk that will be offered once again in schools. Lucas Lunch is CEO of the Midwest Dairy Association. Just looking at also the taste of a milk product, um, you know, whether you're a skim milk drinker, 1%, 2%, or whole, whole milk is absolutely uh, a growing category because of the science behind that milk fat. And whole milk basically is is just a one and a half percent more than two percent so um you're looking at about a three and a half percent milk fat in that whole milk but when you look at the science piece of it and recognize that the health and new uh, wellness of our children benefit greatly from that milk fat that's a good piece of it but a second part of that milk fat is flavor uh whether you are bringing back a 1% uh, flavored chocolate milk into the school channel, that really helps a child have even a better uh, drinking experience. And that's what's important to, to the children, but also to their health and wellness. Lunch said dairy farmers as well excited about the opportunity for more milk consumption. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And USDA has forecast winter wheat production at 1.25 billion bushels, which is up less than 1% from the May 1st forecast, but it's down 25% from 2016. Based on June 1 conditions, the United States yield is forecasted at 48.9 bushels per acre, which is up 0.1 bushels from last month. It is down 6.4 bushels from last year. If realized, this will be the second highest yield on record for the United States, only behind 2016. And in Nebraska, conditions for winter wheat forecasts at 46.5 million bushels, which is down 34% from last year, according to the National Agriculture Statistics Service. The average yield is forecasted at 46 bushels per acre, which is down 8 from last year. And tax relief for family farms in bankruptcy is the subject of a bipartisan legislation introduced to the Senate for a proposal described as a game changer for those kinds of cases. More information about this story and others can be found by visiting RollRadio.com. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. An enhanced stockmanship and stewardship program is set to kick off here next week in regional sessions, one in California and one right here in Nebraska. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and here to tell us all about that is Chase DeCoit. He is with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And Chase, why don't you just start off by telling us all about the one here specifically in Lincoln and what we can expect from this year's program. Yeah, certainly, and great to visit with you. So our stockmanship and stewardship program has been uh, a really successful program for um, about a decade now, and we're really taking this opportunity um, through the support of Beringer Ingelheim to grow the program and enhance the content and the opportunities that producers have to interact with and learn um, about stockmanship techniques and opportunities that can improve their operations. And so we looked around the country at places where we could reach a lot of producers um, 
um, in central locations with the facilities that we needed to um, do these multi-day events that really allow producers to interact not only with one another, but with those um, stockmanship clinicians that they, they know so well in Kurt Pate and Ron Gill. Um, and Lincoln and Nebraska definitely stood out as an area that, that we needed to hit. Nebraska has warmly accepted the stockmanship and stewardship program in the, in the past, and they've done several events there. Um, throughout the existence of the program, but now we're growing that. We're giving more opportunities to learn, um, and we're, we're really expanding the program um, so that producers can take a deeper dive uh, really into what proper uh, low-stress stockmanship looks like. Now, Chase, you mentioned this has been happening here for the last 10 years, so you guys have had some time here to really perfect uh, your program. Talk to us about some of the highlights we'll see at this year's program, maybe something new that will be happening, and then I guess some of the things that you'll be bringing back from years previous that have really done well for the program. Yeah, so in the past, over the last decade or so, these programs have really been um, shorter demonstration-like programs where folks can watch the uh, clinicians really um, show them stockmanship skills, um, apply those to areas around them. But now with our new um, enhanced program and our regional tour that we're doing, um, those learning opportunities will not only be through demonstrations but in hands-on training um, on beef quality assurance and in the classroom where um, producers will be able to interact with researchers um, and thought leaders of the beef industry in their local area to hear the latest uh, information that really can impact them and help them improve not only their operations but their bottom line. So for those interested, where can they register to get the win, where, who of this event happening? I know we mentioned here it's not too far off coming up next week, and there's still time for people to register? Yeah, certainly. So the win is June 29th and 30th, right there on the east campus of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And you can go online to stockmanshipandstewardship.org um, to get registered. We really uh, encourage folks to register early. Um, it'll allow them to make sure they ensure their spot at the event um, and make sure that we don't sell out. But certainly we'd uh, encourage early registration. There's a fee of $50 that includes all of the education you'll receive um, as well as your meals on site. So um, it's a great lineup. You'll be able to see the full two-day agenda on the website. Again, that's uh, stockmanshipandstewardship.org. Great. Thank you, Chase. Chase DeCoit with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association giving us the details on their enhanced stockmanship and stewardship program coming up next week. You can get online to register. For more information on that, you can visit ruralradio.com. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and let's check some sports now with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, the field for the College World Series is almost set. Seven out of the eight teams are headed to Omaha. Just one Super Regional is yet to finish. That's a Super Regional involving Florida and Wake Forest. Now, the Gators lead that series one game to none. Yesterday's second game was suspended. That has already resumed. Now, the seven teams that already know they are headed to the Big O include Louisville, Texas A&M, Cal State Fullerton, LSU, Oregon State, Florida State, and TCU. Yankees rookie Aaron Judge takes his long ball act to Anaheim tonight, where the six foot seven inch slugger will try to build his already impressive numbers. Judd leads the majors with twenty one home runs and tops the American League with forty seven RBIs and a three forty four batting average. He put on quite a power display yesterday in New York, hitting two more homers, including a drive 
estimated at 495 feet. That was the longest home run in the big leagues this year and the longest in the last several years tracked by ESPN. The AL East leading Yankees have won five in a row. Well, the Major League Baseball draft begins tonight at 6 Central Time and covers 40 rounds over the next three days. The AL Central leading Minnesota Twins have the first pick because they had the Major League's worst record last year when they lost 103 games. The previous time the Twins had the number one overall choice was 2001, and they did pretty well that time around, picking a high school catcher by the name of Joe Maurer. This time, top prospects include California high school pitcher and shortstop Hunter Green, Vanderbilt right-handed pitcher Kyle Wright, and Louisville first baseman left-hander Brendan McKay. After the Twins, the following four picks belong to Cincinnati, San Diego, Tampa Bay, and Atlanta. A victory parade is in the works in Pittsburgh after the Penguins successfully defended their championship. Sidney Crosby and his teammates hoisted the Stanley Cup on the ice in Nashville last night after a tightly fought 2-0 win. Crosby was awarded his second consecutive Conn Smythe Trophy as the MVP of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and goalie Matt Murray made 27 saves for his second straight shutout as the Penguins became the first team since the late 90s to repeat as champs. Now, the NBA season could also end tonight. Golden State looks to finish off the Cavs as they host Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Golden State leads that series three games to one. That is a look at sports. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Partly cloudy skies tonight with a chance of thunderstorms likely in northwest Nebraska overnight. The lows around the 70s in the east and central to lower 60s in the west. Governor Pete Ricketts today announced a grant program known as Nebraska Experience to help underwrite the costs involved in fourth grade students being able to take field trips to the Nebraska State Capitol and other historical sites. First Lady Suzanne Shore helped announce the initiative. The Nebraska 150 will help to underwrite bus trips, the, the funding for transportation, as well as the admission fees for museums and several other venues that have been specifically selected. And then Nebraska Arts Council will help us administer that. This is open to all public and private schools, as well as not-for-profits that help to support homeschooled students so that we can include as many fourth graders as possible in this fun experience. It's the eighth program in a series to celebrate Nebraska's 150th anniversary of statehood. Refugees from northern Iraq have established a national cemetery in southeast Nebraska. About 250 people gathered Saturday to celebrate the establishment of the new 20-acre Yazidi Cemetery. The land was bought for $150,000 in October by the United Yazidi Community of America, a Lincoln nonprofit aiming to unify the Yazidi community. Yazidi people are ethnically Kurdish and have long faced persecution for their religion, the most recent being the 2014 genocide by the Islamic State in northern Iraq. The nonprofit's website says Lincoln has the highest Yazidi population in the country. A two year old and eight year old have been taken into state custody because they were found locked outside their south central Nebraska home in 91 degree heat. Someone called police around 6.30 Sunday after spotting children apparently trying to get into their Hastings home. The children reported that they'd been locked outside since before lunch. The officers knocked on the residents' doors, but no one answered. Police say the children seemed okay and didn't need medical attention. 
Police say the parents never did show up. It's unclear whether they surfaced today. Officials are looking to establish an Amtrak passenger rail service between Texas and Kansas. About two dozen people gathered on the platform of Topeka's Amtrak station Friday to meet a special inspection train that was traveling from Fort Worth, Texas to Kansas City, Missouri. The train was meant to give Amtrak officials and some state and local officials the opportunity to see what a new route following the Interstate 35 corridor could look like. As the severe storm season moves in, remember the Weather Watch never sleeps. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. What started as a dream has turned into reality. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. To a packed room, the UNL Veterinary Diagnostic Clinic had their official ribbon cutting Friday afternoon. Accolades were sent out to those who pushed for the new center, including the Nebraska cattleman. Pete McClymon is executive vice president. He talks to us about the history of getting the center to where it is today. So the history goes back to when the state was in a budget crisis in 2002, and the decision was made by the university to shut down diagnostic labs at Scotts Bluff and North Platte. That was very much of a concern to our members because if you had a calf that died or whatever was the reason, you could take that carcass to the center and have it diagnosed immediately. And so it was a concern that everything was going to be on the eastern end of the state. So with that said, it was an issue that didn't go away. And uh, the commitment when this idea came about we were 100% behind to support our members in the university to make it a reality. McClymouth said all it took was a vision to get things going. Tom Hansen, former Nebraska Cattlemen president in 2005, then became senator in January of 2007. So he actually introduced the bill, and he was a producer that saw the need after the closing of the uh, diagnostic center in North Platte. And so along with uh, Chairman of the Appropriations Committee uh, and also NC member LaVon Heidemann, they were instrumental in making this happen. So we worked with a lot of different people. The one thing I would tout our membership, I have never seen our membership give to a brick-and-mortar project from our affiliates to individuals to the state association. So the commitment has been there. And though the time has been longer than we wanted, it's been a reality we're happy to see here today. And the new diagnostic center will be more than a benefit to the producers and the state of Nebraska. So I think we also need to recognize the benefit, which is the students. Obviously, the students are going to have the benefit. So with our current 2 plus 2 arrangement with Iowa State University, the students at Ames will want to come over and do some rotations here at UNL in this center. So it's going to be a real benefit to that program, and we're going to have even better students and more students now than we currently have in our veterinary program. Also in attendance at the open house was Greg Ibot, the director of agriculture for the state of Nebraska. Well, this facility is very important to the state's livestock industry. But it's also very important to the Department of Agriculture because we play such a key role in animal health and monitoring uh, disease outbreaks. Even last night we were bringing samples into the facility for them to test as part of our disease surveillance responsibilities. 
Iba says that the new updated facility benefits to the state of Nebraska, but also keeps it vitally functional in the big picture. So what this will do is it will increase their capability to do volume, but most importantly, it will allow them to maintain their accreditation. And for us to continue to be able to rely on a local lab to be able to serve the citizens and the livestock producers of Nebraska, that accreditation is key. And so by the state moving forward, the generous donors, the legislature, and making this possible, we're able to maintain that accreditation and keep a facility right here in Nebraska that can serve the needs of one of the largest livestock producing states in the nation. Which for livestock producers and veterinarians, it means not shipping stuff out of state. That's exactly right. To be able to have tests perform in a timely manner right here locally will support our livestock industry as well as our processing industry and support our ability to be able to keep our export markets open and healthy. Following the ribbon cutting, an opportunity to tour the facilities was made to those in attendance. Now, this new Nebraska Veterinary Diagnostic Center is actually going to provide some improved laboratory services for the veterinarians and livestock owners. It also enhances the learning experience for students in the professional program in veterinary medicine. One vet student in his second year said one of the benefits he sees is the ability to have their own microscopes when they're in classes and be able to have distance learning available as well. Now, because students in this rigorous program in the school spend anywhere from six to eight hours in the classroom and have to do some studying beyond that, there is some card access for the students' designated spaces in the center that will allow them to study and be have access to that building 24-7. Now, the facility that the new vet diagnostic center is replacing was built in 1975 and they said it was really insufficient to meet the needs of biosecurity requirements as well. Now the Nebraska legislature committed 40.6 million dollars in funding through the Building a Healthier Nebraska initiative that was announced back in 2012 and there was 4.1 million dollars that was raised in private donations. Now in leading the private funding initiative, agricultural business owners Dennis and Glenda Bosiger of Lincoln provided a gift of half a million dollars to the university for the new center. Another major gift of 757000 came from an anonymous donor out of Kansas. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We're back on the Rural Radio Network. Joe Teal from Great Plains Commodities is going to break down the livestock trade for us here this afternoon. A lot of red on the screen today, Joe. Yeah, a lot of red on the screen. A little disappointing. Uh, uh, I think uh, the trade a little disappointed with the uh, uh, cattle trade uh, last week, a little less than uh, they anticipated. And they were really looking for a pretty strong uh, market, and it just didn't develop. And uh, we started out lower. We did manage to uh, come back a bit off our lows. We were limit down in the uh, June cattle for a while, and they finished you know, only 10 cents off a of limit down. Uh, cutouts were a little higher, and that seemed to give us the bounce, but uh, it certainly wasn't enough. A lot of anticipation that uh, the uh, packers are uh, less than enthusiastic about the uh, capturing inventory at the uh, prices they have been. So that put a lot of pressure on and also uh, affected the feeder cattle, which uh, finished uh, over $2 lower on most contracts, despite the fact that corn uh, 
uh, where the grains are under a lot of pressure uh, also because of the uh, change in the weather forecast. So uh, all in all, the uh, cattle uh, did not fare well. Hogs didn't fare a whole lot better, uh, uh, pretty much red uh, across the uh, uh, whole complex in the uh, hogs. Uh, more so in the uh, August and the July, uh, obviously June, holding together, uh, trying to stay with the, just above the uh, index, uh, with, and they do expire on uh, on Wednesday, so uh, pretty bad day all the way around in the uh, livestock. That's Joe Teal on the Rural Radio Network. I've always been told when a crisis happens in agriculture, agriculture steps up. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Yesterday, southern Minnesota, all the way up through the Twin Cities, were ravaged by some pretty intense storms. Now, one of the storms took out the Carlson Dairy Farm near Pencock, Minnesota. The, the use of social media, select sires out of Minnesota, put out a message on Facebook saying they needed help in finding some homes temporarily for the 3,000 head of cattle in the herd. 300 of those cows went to Rita Vanderkoys. Right. You know, dairy farmers are going to pull together and they're going to do whatever they can to help out. We were fortunate uh, that we had these facilities available and that uh, were able and ready to care for them. So we're very glad that they um, chose to send us 300 of their cows. Video that you posted on social media, the cows looked pretty content. That was certainly the case. Uh, It was very interesting to watch the cows come off the trailer. It was like no big deal. They just went got a drink of water, ate some feed, and lay down. And so we were felt very much at ease that these cows were going to transition well into our barn. How did you guys find out about the, the plea that was put out? Driving home from church, um, my husband and I, our kids, and we uh, were going to host, um, you know, my husband's family, so some of the, grand, you know, some of the cousins and great-grandma were coming over for lunch. And as we were driving home, uh, I saw it on social media, on Facebook, I believe I saw it on um, Minnesota Select Sire's um, page that there was this need for help. So right away, you know, I talked to my husband. We couldn't believe um, that this was happening. Uh, you know, your heart sinks, of course. Uh, so we just posted right away that, of course, we can help. You know, please let us know. Um, and so that's kind of how we heard that there was a need for help. Um, the people that were closest to the Carlsons and kind of sit, sitting in the circle with them yesterday trying to make those big decisions are people that we know from attending the University of Minnesota together um, as well as just networking at various um, continuing ad type things that dairy farmers attend. That had to be a tough decision. I mean, as dairy cattle become so much an integral part of not only your operation, but they are, they're part of your family. I and mean, to be able to send animals off to people you don't know and entrust that they're going to care for them the same way you would care for, for your animals. Right. And we, we understand that they would want to keep all of their animals together so that they can um, know that the care is being um, quite similar and it's much easier to coordinate all of um, the little details and, of um, these cows. Uh, we're thrilled that they uh, chose us to take care of their cows. Um, we know that they would do the same for us if they were able to, if we had uh, something like this happen at our farm. You used on your video um, that I have posted on our Facebook page, um, hashtag Minnesota Dairy Proud, and I think that just sums it up in such a simple hashtag. 
of what the dairy industry will do for somebody else. Right. What an opportunity to see the people of God come together to care for this family. You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's so important to realize that it's, it's not just this barn or this milking parlor. It's, it's their livelihood and it's, it's um, something um, that's woven into their family of caring for cows for generations. And, um, yeah, I, I can't even um, imagine how difficult it is for them to make these decisions so quickly. And I've shared Rita's video on our Rural Radio Facebook page. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get our closing grain market analysis with John Payne, Senior Market Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, also the publisher of This Week in Grain, the newsletter that John puts out. So today's story, wow, those forecasts, uh, you know, that negative trade really held on for the most of the trading session. Yeah, it's kind of baffling, uh, and I think that's the one lesson everybody should be taking from this is we're not really trading the weather, we're trading the forecasts. And uh, when, the, when the forecasts put in rain for a lot of the upper Midwest that have been somewhat parched over the last month, um, you know, the markets essentially look to price that in, and then you get the, the kind of subsequent price action from that. I think a lot of this, the reason why we were down 2.5% today was simply because we were up so much last week and you get repositioning and now you're getting repositioning the other way. So uh, we're caught in a market right now that's kind of uh, saying kind of its first test out of its range and uh, you're getting that, that kind of tumble factor when it, when it looks like the test has failed. Uh, it's still early. I, I don't think that uh, anybody out there saying that the highs are in uh, would be sure of themselves one way or the other given that, uh, you know, if the forecasts don't come to fruition and, and the, the areas don't get, uh, you know, an inch, inch and a half of rain out east, I think we could be right back into this type of weather market uh, a week from now. Well, that's certainly right. Hot temperatures, though, over the weekend. We'll kind of get an indication on that later on today, won't we? Yeah, it's, listen, this is going to be one of these markets, and we're just starting. The next six weeks are going to be incredibly wild. Um, you know, I... I I still think we're a little overpriced here. I wish we'd be coming from like 360 higher. I think that you know would, would simply make a lot more sense. We're still September, in my opinion, trading in the high 390s. That represents a lot of risk premium in the market already. So to get us to go to 420, 430, we need to actually have crop losses, and I think it's a little early for that. But uh, doesn't mean it's not a couple of weeks away. So uh, the decision by a lot of folks to hold on to grain throughout the spring is kind of. I say dwarfing these rallies, but it's going to have a hard time kind of allowing that big follow-through. So I mentioned this to a couple of guys that work with out in Nebraska today. If they're listening, hear me say it again. I think the the rallies are going to be better seen later in the summer than early in the summer, just given the amount of bushels that need to move here before July 4th. Um, And then we're going to get into acreage reports and all that. So shorter term here, just a setback, but I think there's more more upside here if we we can get the, the forecast to cooperate. All right, final 20 seconds, John. Any chart damage done, corn, soybeans, or wheat? No, not at all. I think we're in good shape. All of those across the board, all uptrends are hold. One thing I like here is we're seeing Minnesota wheat come back, and Kansas City really took off over to Chicago here into the close. We're 12 over September now, 9 over in the July. That looks to maybe go to 18. That tells me today was just all about covering in the, in the Chicago. John Payne, Senior Market Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Contact Daniel Zag Marketing at danielzagmarketing.com. That's our closing grain market analysis on the Roll Radio Network.